0: Welcome to Life City. This podcast was created to celebrate what God is doing in Weatherford, Texas. Our vision is to reach the hungry, the hurting, and the hopeless. God has given us our heading. Join us today as we listen to the Word, and we pray that God speaks to you in this message. And these were recorded in the genealogies of, in the days of Jotham, king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, king of Israel. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had valiant men who carried shield and sword and drew the bow, expert in war, 44,760 able to go to war. And they waged war against the Hagrites, Jatar, Napish, and Nodab. It's my initials, Nodug. They were waging war against No Dug. And when they prevailed over them, that means the other people were winning. The No Dugs were winning. The Haggites and all who were with them were given into their hands, for they cried out to God in battle. And He granted their urgent plea because they trusted in Him. They carried off their livestock, 50,000 camels, 250,000 sheep, 2,000 donkeys, and 100,000 men alive. For many fell because the war was of God, and they lived in that place. The members of the half-tribe of Manasseh lived in the land. They were very numerous, from Bashan to Bel-herman, Sinair, and Mount Hermon. And these were the heads of the father's house. Ephra, Isha, Elah, Ezra, Jeremiah, we'll stop there. Thank you for standing in reverence to the word of the Lord. You may be seated this morning. I know that was lengthy, but like I said, I promise there's a reason. There's a certain level of trust. You put in things each and every day. Consider this, this morning, when you got up, if it was dark, you probably walked over to a light switch, you flipped that light switch on, and as long as... You paid your bill and there wasn't a storm last night. More than likely, when you turned that switch on, the light came on. You didn't really think this morning about the work that it goes into to generate electricity. You didn't think about the lines of electricity, the power lines that had been driven all the way to your house, the electrician that put the wires in your house, and the circuit breaker panel, and all the light switches, and all the fuses, and everything that goes into making that light work. You just trusted when you flipped that switch, it would come on. You probably didn't even think about it. It was just flip the switch. Oh, light's on. Time to get ready for church. You put a lot of trust in that. You probably didn't think this morning as you turned on that hot water of what it takes to actually get water into that shower head so that you can take that hot shower in the morning. You just trusted it was going to work. You trusted the water heater. You trusted there was no leaks through your house, and I hope there's not. This morning after your shower, you went ahead and put clothes on, and I'm thankful you did. And when you did, you went ahead and trusted the manufacturers of those clothes that those clothes were going to survive today's 127 billion degree heat. You trusted clothes wouldn't disintegrate when you step out of the building after church. You trusted the manufacturers and the mechanics, the many, many, many parts and bolts and Screws and everything that goes into that vehicle. You trusted when you push that button or turn that key that that thing would fire up and bring you safely to church. You trusted, as Pastor mentioned already this morning, you trusted the other drivers on the road this morning. That takes a lot of trust. I tell you, with some of the crash reports I read, you trusted the drivers a lot this morning that you would make it here safely. There's a lot of trust. You're trusting in all these things each and every day that you don't even think about. It's just come part of our life that we trust that it's going to work. And yes, sometimes those things do break down, but most often they get fixed again and you trust them to work again. Unless you're like me, a crazy worry person, you don't worry every time you go out to your car that it's going to start or not. (laughs) You probably don't do that. You just trust that it's going to start. So I ask you this morning... If we can trust in all these things that are made and manufactured and created and built and grown yeah. by people, yeah. well, how much more should we yes. be able to put our trust Amen. in the Lord? Yeah. Yeah. In the text I read, skipping to the very end of verse 20, it says, He granted their urgent plea because they trusted in Him. Right. Right. He granted their urgent plea because... They trusted in him. A man by the name of Ben wrote this story. He said, in the winter of 1988, three friends and I climbed Mount Lyle, the highest peak in Yosemite National Park. Two of us were experienced mountain climbers. Two were not. I was not. He said our base camp was 2,000 feet from the peak. So on the, climb to the, or the day of the climb to the peak, we were to climb all the way to the peak and back down on that same day. As the hours passed, the two mountaineers with experience began to get a lot further ahead of me and my companion. And so I decided to find a shortcut. I never thought for a second as to why the experienced climbers in front of me didn't decide to try to get to this outcropping across the glacier, but I decided I was going to try to do it. Much to my dismay, 30 minutes later, I found myself stuck. Looking down several hundred feet, a sheer slope of ice pitched at a 45-degree angle, 10 feet from the safety of the rock, one slip, and I wouldn't make it. I was stuck, I was scared," Ben wrote. He said, it took an hour for my experienced climbing friends to find me. Standing on the rock that I wanted to get to, my experienced friend reached over with his axe and chipped out two small holes. He says, Ben, this is what I want you to do. I want you to reach out with your first foot and put it in that first hole and then immediately reach out with the second foot and put it in the second hole, and I'll reach out with my hand and pull you to safety. To me, Ben wrote, that sounded like a fabulous, easy, simple idea. Two steps and I'm safe. But then my experienced friend, Ben said, told me some advice I didn't like. He said, but if anything, Ben, when you do it, do not lean towards the mountain. He said, if you lean towards the mountain, it's much less or much more likely that your feet will fly out from underneath you and you will start sliding down the mountain, down the glacier to the valley below. He said, if anything, lean away from the mountain when you step. Ben said, I don't like precipices. And when I'm on the edge of a cliff, my instinct says, hug the mountain. (laughs) <laughs> Many of you, it sounds like you agree with that. But his friend is saying to do the exact opposite. He thought, Is there any reason why I can't trust my experienced climber friend? I looked at him real hard. I thought about it, and then I followed his instructions. I st- leaned away from the mountain as I took those two steps, and in two seconds, I discovered my faith in my friend was well-founded as he pulled me to safety. You see, oftentimes in life, you're going to feel the Spirit leading you to do things that are the opposite of your natural inclination. There's going to be times that you're going to feel the Spirit leading you to do something that doesn't always make sense. But this morning I've come here to tell you that you have a God you can trust in. You have a God that you are not going to leave you hanging. He's not going to leave you in a place where you're going to fall. He's going to be able to be there with you the whole way. He's going to stand with you, and you can trust in him this morning. He's not going to let you down. He's not going to fail you. He's not going to lead you astray. You can trust in him this morning. I believe there's a problem in our lives with a lack of trust. We try to take matters into our own hands and do everything ourselves. Maybe it's just me. But I tend to try to do things on my own. I tend to try to figure it out on my own. A problem comes, and I tend to try to figure out the solution by myself, forgetting the fact that I have someone I can count on. You see, when it comes to spiritual matters and issues involving eternity, trust is critical. Without trust, you will destroy your own self by your own hand. Absolute trust in God is essential in order to successfully navigate this life. You see, there's going to be times when you're not going to understand what's going on. And there's going to be times you're not going to be able to see the solution to the problem. And there's going to be times that you're not going to understand why things are happening the way they're happening. And it's times like that where you need to remember to keep trusting it's times like that you have to keep on remembering to keep on pressing forward to keep moving forward not to slide back and slide down the mountain but keep moving forward to keep pressing forward because you can trust in him you can rely on him you don't have to worry if he's going to be there or not you can trust in him there was a champion out of the camp of the philistines that Ronnie sung his name this morning. He was a big man. He was nine foot six. Almost as big as uh, Justin. Just kidding, Justin. Justin's not nine foot six. But Goliath had a big helmet of brass on his head. He had an armor coat on that weighed... 5,000 shekels of brass. He had a spear that was like a weaver's beam. He was a big man. And Goliath, most of you know this story, but if not, I'll spend the next two hours telling it. (laughs) Goliath challenged the armies of Israel. And so Goliath would go out to the field and say, Hey! Choose you someone to come fight me. And if they win, we'll serve you. And if I win, you'll serve me. And everybody looked at this nine foot six tall guy. Remember nine six, that's my birthday. I'm going to keep saying it to get ingrained. So everyone kept looking at this nine foot six giant and say, ooh, that's a scary giant. They were sore afraid, the Bible tells us. And so Goliath did that in the morning. And he did that at night. And he did that at the morning, and he did that at night. Keep calling out, send you a man to come fight me for 40 days, twice a day. And then at the end of 40 days, there was this boy by the name of David. And his dad said, hey, David, your brothers have been down there for way too long. Go down to the camp to see what they're up to, to check in on them. And while you're there, bring them. This is the weirdest thing. Bring them grain, bread, and cheese. That's the three things that Jesse told David to take when he went to go check on his brothers. At least if he would have brought some butter, they could have made grilled cheese, too. I don't know. But so he brought the bread and the grain and the cheese down to his brothers. And while he was talking to his brothers, it happened to either be morning or evening. And so Goliath came out again and repeated his thing about, send me a man. And David, when he heard that and saw that all the men were afraid, he said, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of a lion. He said, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the bear. He said, The Lord delivered me out of Paw Patrol. Oh, no, no, he didn't say that one. (laughs) He said, The Lord delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, and the Lord will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. So David, most of us know the story. I'm going to speed up. Don't worry. He went and took the five stones, put them in the shepherd's bag. He went to the Philistine. The Philistine came to him, mocked him for being just a little kid, a youth. Yeah. And David said, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. So David took that stone, put it in the slingshot, hit the giant in the head, and realized, oops, I forgot to bring a sword. So he runs on over, grabs Goliath's sword, cuts off Goliath's head with his own sword. (laughs) This passage is very familiar familiar in Scripture. Many of us have heard this story dozens and dozens of times. In Sunday school, they talk about this story. When I was a youth pastor, I used to bring it up all the time because I like to talk about how David was a youth, and he took on this big, giant man. David was a youth, and he took on this this big giant, this big enemy that was coming against the children of Israel. But I didn't really ever think about the fact that David might have been the tool that was used to take out Goliath. But David didn't go on his own and take out Goliath. David didn't say, I took down that bear, I took down that lion, and I'm going to take down this Philistine. Now, David recognized and realized that he couldn't win the battle by himself. David recognized and realized he couldn't do it by himself, so he put his trust in God. He said, hey, God, help me get over that lion and over that bear, so I know God's going to be there and help me conquer this Philistine. I'm going to get the victory because I'm going in the name of the Lord, because I put my trust in the Lord. Because David put his trust in the Lord, that's why he was able to conquer that giant. That's why victory came for the children of Israel. Isaiah 54 17 says, No weapon formed against thee shall prosper. We can trust in him. We can put our trust in Him. Nothing can stand against us when we're with Him. Nothing can stand against us when we're walking in His path. Nothing can stand against us when we rely fully on Him, when we count on Him, when we put our faith in Him, when we trust in Him completely. Nothing can overcome when you're with Him. That's right. Amen. 1 Chronicles 5, verse 20. Going back to where we started. It says, the Haggites and all of them who were with them, that includes no Dab, no Doug, were given into their hands for they cried out to God in battle. When I was in high school, I worked the opening shift at McDonald's on Saturday mornings. And one Saturday morning, I had stayed up the entire night before because I was young and I could do that. <laughs> and I had gone to a youth event the night before. And as I was at that youth event, I stayed up the whole night at that youth event and then I was going to go work full day at work. I said, no more. Right. And I went to leave the youth event. And as I left, I noticed that it had snowed the night before about six inches, nothing major. I know y'all are freaking out. <laughs> Maybe not. But I grew up in Minnesota, if you didn't know that. So six inches up there is nothing major. And so they have a huge budget to clear all the roads. They plan on clearing all the roads all winter long, so they're cleared. So even though it had snowed six inches overnight, I pulled out of the church parking lot and I was already on cleared roads. The roads were already plowed. So I was driving down the road, I get on the highway, driving down the highway. I wasn't driving 90 down the highway, but I wasn't driving 10 either because the roads were already cleared. And I was going along through construction, same everywhere you go, it's always construction. I love it, keeps me employed. (laughs) And I was driving along and there was a car on the left of me, There's a two lane highway, car on the left of me, nice concrete rail down the side there, looks like it was put up well, actually I have no idea if it was, I wouldn't have known if it was or not at that point. But I was driving along and the roads were clear and there was no lighting because there was a construction zone on the highway. And I noticed right in front of me, it looked like maybe there had been a car that had been parked there that the plows had gone around. Thankfully, the car was not there at this point. But by the time I saw it, I couldn't stop in time. I couldn't get over because there was a car next to me. I couldn't go the way unless I wanted to hit a wall and nobody wants to hit a wall. Well, I hope not. And so I did the only thing I could do. I took my hands off the wheel and closed my eyes. (laughs) That was good. Good advice right there. Please don't do that. But after I did that, I did the smart thing to do. After I did the not smart thing to do, and that was I just yelled one simple word. With my hands in the air, my eyes closed for Jesus. When I hit that snowbank, I was driving a neon. I don't know if you've ever seen a neon, but the ground is closer to the ground than the front of a neon is. <laughs> and so I hit that snow, and snow came flying over the top of the car because of the bank, just flew over the top of the car. My car started swerving, but the second I yelled Jesus, the car went perfectly straight through that snowbank. I ended up on the other side, driving back down the plowed road as if nothing had happened. I cried yeah. out to the Lord. Yeah. I cried to the Lord when I needed him. Right. I was in a situation that I realized there was nothing I could do. There was in a situation I realized there's no way I could possibly win on my own. Right. I was in a losing situation with a car to my left and a wall to my right and snow in front of me. But when I cried out to him, he Work the miracle. When I cried out to him, he was able to move and to work. A place where I couldn't do anything on my own. A place where I realized I couldn't make it without him. When I cried out to him, he delivered and brought the miracle right to me, right where I was, right when I needed it. He's the kind of God that when you cry out to him, he's going to be. He's the kind of God that's going to come running at the mention of his name. He's the kind of God that when you call upon him, he's going to come to your rescue. You can cry out to him. Samuel, I'm going to use you. First time you get used in a sermon. Yay. Samuel. Is a baby, as you guys probably know. If you didn't, you do now. You know, babies, they can't really do anything themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't change themselves. They can't do anything themselves. So what do they do when they need something? They cry. It's a baby's instinct when they need something to cry. Humans start as a baby, in case you didn't know that. That's a fact. (laughs) Man, I'm just loaded with information today. And we start like a baby, where we cry out to our guardian, whoever is watching us, our parents, whoever, every time we need something. But as we grow into adulthood, we begin to lose that mentality. And we begin to try to think we can do it ourselves. We're determined that we can solve every problem on our own, that we can overcome any obstacle or any situation, that there's nothing that we need help on. So we try and try and try some more. And there's where you can't do it on your own. No matter what we try to do, we can't find the victory. Perhaps that's because we lost our first instinct. Perhaps it's because we lost that first instinct we had when we were a baby that we could cry out for help. We've tried to do too much on our own that we've forgotten that we can cry for help. We've forgotten that we can call for help. We've forgotten that we have a God who's right there that said he'd never leave us nor forsake us. We've forgotten that all we have to do is ask. We've forgotten that first instinct that we had to cry out to the Lord. We've forgotten that instinct that we can call upon him whenever we need anything. You can cry out to him. You see, when you're lost, you can cry out to Him. When the bills are coming and there's no money, you can cry out to Him. When you've lost hope, you can cry out to Him. When you're in trouble, you can cry out to Him. When you're sick, you can cry out to him. When you're lonely, you can cry out to him. When you're discouraged, you can cry out to him. No matter what you're fighting, no matter what the situation is, you can cry out to him. You don't have to do this alone. You don't have to try to solve everything by yourself. You can cry out to the Lord. This morning, we started with some text and I'm almost finally to my title slide. Aren't y'all excited? (laughs) That I found very fascinating. And I'm going to tell on myself to tell you why I find it so fascinating. So when I was probably six, seven years old, my parents started having us read through the Bible every year. Every year we read through the Bible. And so I've read through the Bible many times, and Chronicles happens to be one of those books, I'm telling myself now, pen do more than probably read it like I should. Now you might have thought why, as I mispronounced 500 people's names. <laughs> Chronicles is filled with names that's difficult to pronounce. Chronicles has a lot of repetition that was in Samuel and Kings that you've already read. But however, here... Between the children of Abihail in verse 14 and the members of Manasseh in verse 23 of 1 Chronicles chapter 5, we read a few verses. Yeah. <coughs> it said, The Reubenites, the Gadites, this is beginning with verse 18, and the half tribe of Manasseh had valiant men yeah. who carried shield and sword. And drew the bull, yeah. boo, expert in war, yeah. 44,760, able to go to war. They waged war against the Hagarites and Jetor and Nabish and Nodug. And when they prevailed over them, the Hagarites and all that were with them were given into their hands, for they cried unto God in battle. And he granted urgent plea because they trusted in him. Consider for a second. Nestled here between two different genealogies. Just a few verses nestled here in 2 Chronicles chapter 5. Nestled here in a place that I might normally skim over more than I should read. We find out about an army we find out about an army of 44,760 men. It's a big army. Scripture tells us these men were valiant. Scripture tells us that these men were able to bear shield and sword. Scripture tells us these men could shoot with a bow and an arrow. Scripture tells us they were experts in war. Yeah. That sounds like an awesome army. Yeah. That sounds like the kind of army I'd want to be part of. Right. Except then the army would be 4, 44,761. Yeah. 444 or 4,000, whatever. One of them would not be an expert, is where I'm trying to go with that. <laughs> All 44,760 could all use a shield, all use a bow, all use a sword, right. all were experts in war. That's a good army to be part of. This morning, though, verse 20 tells us something very important. Verse 20 starts out telling us they were losing. 44,760 men all experts in war were losing the battle. Right. They couldn't win. They couldn't do it by themselves. What sounded like a winning, con- or winning connection, a winning solution, was not so. They could not win. Right. But then something happened. The Gadites, the Reubenites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, they cried out to God. And it says, and he granted their urgent, tree, urgent plea because, because they trusted in him. They cried out to him, and when they put their trust in him, he granted their urgent plea. On the surface, it looked like 44,760 experts in war would be a winning army. But they only won because they cried out to God. They only won when they put their trust in him and then God granted their urgent plea. No matter how big or however small the battle is, you can try to do it on your own. But why? Why? Why try to go through it on your own? Why try to do it by yourself? Why try to fight through it by yourself when you can trust in Him? No matter how big or small the circumstance might be, you can trust in Him. You can cry out to Him. You can trust in Him. Let's stand this morning. I ask you this morning, do you want to situation that you're going through? Do you want to find the healing or peace that you desire? Do you want that financial blessing that you've been deeply desiring and deeply need? Do you want to find the victory for your situation? Then I say this morning, maybe it's time you cry out to the Lord. Maybe it's time you put your trust fully in him. Even the warriors, see, I told you I'd make it to my title, Even the warriors knew they needed him. Even the warriors understood that they could cry out to him. Even the warriors realized that they needed to trust in him to be victorious. Even the warriors recognized they couldn't do it on their own. They began to trust in him and they cried out to him and God granted their urgent plea. So this morning, I ask you, what situation is it that you're dealing with? What circumstance is it that you're trying to get through? Even the warriors realized they couldn't do it by themselves, and they began to cry out to him. So I ask you, this, these altars are open. Is there a situation that you need the Lord to move in? Why don't you find a place today to cry out to Him? Why don't you find a place today to seek His face? Why don't you find a place today to put your trust fully in Him? Be like the warriors. The warriors saw victory because they cried, because they trusted in Him. Hallelujah, Jesus. We need- Thank you so much for being with us today. We hope you were blessed in some way by the message. To learn more about us, check out www.mylifecitychurch.org or you can contact us at info at Thank you once again for joining us, and we hope you have a great week.